enjoy the show. Beaming at you from the depths of the internet. This is the Temple of Geek Podcast, your one stop for all things geek. Welcome to the Temple of Geek Podcast. For those of you tuning in for the first time, my name is Aaron, and I'll be your host tonight as we discuss thriving while in quarantine. Temple of Geek Podcast has been around since 2012. Here we discuss and celebrate fandoms and all things geek. To our returning listeners, thanks again for tuning in. With me today, I have two special guests, two very, very near and dear people to my heart, two very close friends of mine that I like I like to consider close friends, as close as you can be in these times. Clee, Clee Wiggins, she's a comedian, writer, absolutely hilarious on the social medias, very insightful as well. Welcome, Clee Wiggins. Also, uh, from Rebooted on YouTube, my homeboy, artist, podcaster, comedian, Ed Greer. How y'all doing today, y'all? We're good. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for having us on. Yeah. No, no problem. Thank you guys for being on. Like when I when I got the nod to host this show, uh, and Clee pointed this out. Clee gave me some shit for this, but um, uh, when when I got the nod, you guys were among <laughs> like my my short list of guests to come on to the show. Uh, I didn't like reach out to anybody. I didn't just like be like, hey, you know, I got this show. I can't tell y'all nothing about it, but y'all want to be on. But you know, I'm glad it all worked out, and I'm glad you guys are here. Uh, cause uh. Yeah, y'all both. Like you were like, "Who wants to be a guest?" And I was like, "If you haven't hit us up, I swear." Right, I, I know, I know, right? <laughs> Clee got that big sister vibe when it comes to me sometimes. So it's like if I say something like, "Who wants to be a guest?" and she's like, "Wait a second, let me check my emails real quick to make sure he didn't say nothing before I jump down his throat." And she called me out on that very publicly. So here we are. <laughs> <laughs> So here we are. That's how. So, uh, <laughs> hey, that's I'm I'm with it. I'm with it. So um, it's been it's been a year. <laughs> it's been it's been quite Man. a year, and and a lot of things have changed. A lot of things have been different. Stand up comedy ain't the same. It, that that game changes so often that it's it's ridiculous. But now it's like you. Ain't no shows going on besides the ones on the internet and stuff. So, how are you guys doing during all like the quarantines and all the shutdowns and lockdowns and stuff? How are you guys doing? I mean, well, I mean, one thing I got to have a caveat. I saw that the, the title of this is "Thriving in the Apocalypse" or whatever. whatever. <laughs> I said thriving uh, under quarantine. I didn't say under the apocalypse. I ain't. I'm looking nah, at the name of the link. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, honestly, uh, well, I just want to make the caveat that uh, basically we I, I, don't, I don't know. We we you have to make the caveat that we're not starving because there's people right. that are starving. Yes, you know what I'm saying? Yes, and they yes. it don't it don't matter what Netflix show they're watching or, or, or no shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Like that doesn't matter to them. Right. They have to really do stuff on a minute to by minute basis to make it. Or like, you know, essential workers, I know maybe you you could interview one of them about a podcast they watch it while they do an Instacart or do a Postmates or driving a bus or whatever. So I'm just saying we are lucky enough to live an intense life of the mind right now. <laughs> and we are all about entertaining ourselves, you know. And, and I also, um, for those listening, I also don't want to downplay anybody else's struggle. This is not to say that everybody's like path is straight up linear or anything like that. I know that there are some people who 
absolutely aren't doing the best that they can right now due to a, a lot of different circumstances. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In this podcast, I, I and I'm and I'm gonna amend the title. This podcast, I'm I'm basically talking. Pretty much in entertainment terms, you know. Oh yeah. For, for, yeah. for the most for the most part, I'm I'm really just have focusing the discussion on just entertainment because we're all entertainers on this on this on this episode right now, and there are some people in our in our realm of 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 work who I don't I don't know what it is. It's like if they're not being having their hand held at every step of the way, they can't function. So I'm not trying to downplay <laughs> anybody else's like anybody else's what they, what you're going through personally in your life at all. I'm just, you know, speaking very specifically about entertainment at this point. Yeah. I'm just I find it weird just the people who have been going on the road. Like I get if you're doing like an outdoor show in your home town wherever you live as a comedian like comedians who are doing shows in their hometowns that are outside in somebody's backyard in somebody's field in somebody's parking lot if you're Dave Chappelle and you got a whole ass barn but these people who are going on the road I don't get it it's weird to me I'm like why are you traveling for no reason like it's I get maybe you I mean but then some of those people say they need the money and I'm like okay well but if you're a road warrior you should have money built up I don't know yeah. it seems strange <laughs> Like it goes back to like every time I watch like wrestling documentaries on the WWE network whenever I can, and a lot of times, a lot of the, a lot of them times they say, "Well, you know, I travel on the road all the time, but I'm basically just saving my money. I'm like living, basically spending twenty, thirty dollars a day, living out of my car, going from gig to gig, but I'm putting all that money away." You would think that like a comedian on the road would have that same mentality. However. Yeah, like, I I see a lot of times that's not the case at all. You know, yeah, tr- I like. Did you trick it all off? Because I know some of those. Right, if you're a full road warrior, even if you're playing like B and C clubs, or even like D rooms, like triple run rooms, you're making a decent little amount of money. That right, if like you're saving it for a rainy day, the rainy day is here. Like you don't <laughs> have to go back on the road. <laughs> oh. Like this is the rainy day, everybody. It's storming outside right now. This is it. But yeah. I think I, but I think that, is here. <laughs> but yeah, I think that gets to the heart of it, though, because I think a lot of those people, I don't see a lot of them really crying poor. I think a lot of them really need to get out there and do it. Like I've definitely talked to comedians under this lockdown, and they are like itching to get out under any circumstances like a lot of them are itching to just like like a puppy waiting to run out in the streets i, I, I like to run in the street i like to do hood rat things with my friends they, they just they just want to do they yeah. just want to go out and do it there is that mentality too where they just they can't function if they're not performing as much as possible and this long of a break is not something that they're built for but i'm just like you can but what are you doing comedy i don't know because i guess Maybe Ed and I are different because I think both of us we're stand-ups and both of us like doing stand-up comedy, but both of us are also trying to achieve other things beyond right. comedy. And like this, like being a stand-up isn't the like isn't the end game. It's it's like it's a continuing line, but it's not the exactly. end game. So we were able to mentally pivot. Like I've been on a comedy break even before the pandemic started. I mm-hmm. wasn't like miking 
that much. I was mostly only doing booked gigs and cons, like, you know, like Comic-Con and stuff like right, that. Right, right. I wasn't out miking like, you know, like a, you know, grinding as the kids say, like <laughs> that. So it wasn't that big of a deal to me when the pandemic hit that I was just like, okay, well, and I'm like, I've been asked to do a couple of Zoom shows and I've turned them down. So I'm just like, I don't need stand-up comedy that much like that. Right. I have other outlets where I've been writing a lot. I also write for my day job, which I, you know, which I freelance at. So I have been off and on working through this and I'm hoping to hear this week, actually, if I got this other gig. So I just, I have other outlets for my creativity. Mm, gotcha. Yeah. And I'm the same way. Like, Ed, Cause he has multiple podcasts. Exactly. Like, and I'm the same, I'm the same way. I'm like, I'm kind of like a mix of the both of you. Like I, I was also on a break from stand up. Like before this had happened, I was literally just transitioning back into stand up right around the time things started getting shut down. Like I was like, okay, cool. I got some gigs lined up. I'm just going to take some recordings from all of them, make an album and then like put that out and stuff because I wanted to make an album. So let's, let's just make this happen. Everything got shut down. And then I was like, well, okay, I guess it's not time for me to do an album right now. The whole Zoom comedy shows, I'm, I'm, I'm not against them. It's just not for me. You know, I don't want to perform. I don't want to rehearse in my house in front of you know my camera is set up and stuff. You know, I don't want to just. I, I I need. It's it's like pro wrestling. <laughs> Take it back to that. I need a crowd. <laughs> you know, I like it. Might it might be cool for other people to perform in front of like just their computer screen and like hope that their jokes translate that way. But I feed off the energy from the crowd. They feed off of my energy. It's all part of the same thing. So like when you're in just, and if I'm at my house, I'm not going to dress up to do It's like when you do a Skype interview for work or something, I'm not wearing anything <laughs> from, from the waist down. Exactly. You know? That's what I've been doing for these interviews. Yeah. I've been having. Yo, these interviews the I've been having. Exactly. I'm fresh to death from the waist up. From the waist down, it's like from the waist down, it's like, yo, do my socks match? Am I wearing socks? Is this coffee in this mug? Who knows? The possibilities are endless. Exactly. (laughs) Absolutely, man. Well, I was uh yeah, I was uh I was on TV a few times during this. They did like a stay home type of show for uh, you know, like cable network. And uh, I don't know, man, it was it was it's definitely funny when you're looking at your computer to see how much it can handle to get on some kind of broadcasting platform. And, you know, you're just like, damn, the industry never stops. The industry never stops. Now, all of a sudden, I got to have lights and stuff at my house. Right. Like, I got to get a whole lighting rig because, you know, lights in L.A. apartments, your shit look like Game of Thrones at night. And. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like okay now i gotta set up my lighting rig i gotta set up a background and stuff because i don't want people to see like my walls and stuff and try to pinpoint where the hell i live or nothing like that so i'm like the, <laughs> zoom, the zoom shows are just they're just not for me it's not they they, they have merit you know for some people who want to get out there and and go do some things and this might be a little bit of shade from what i'm going to say but a lot of people that i've seen going really heavy about these zoom shows you can hear the same sound when they do a show at another club so i guess that's what they used to so (laughs) (laughs) i'm uh, it is what it is (laughs) you know so i I, also a lot of them are like joke machines where they don't really have like a 
cohesive act. They just tell yeah, joke after they joke. just tell joke after joke so, after joke. So it doesn't even really matter what the audience does, right. because you're just they talking get these at jokes people. Off. Yeah, you're yeah. not. You're just talking at people, and you're not trying to relate to a crowd, you know. Which is like yeah. for me, how I was, how I was taught, or like just basically just how I absorb comedy and stuff. It's like, okay, I gotta have these people relate to me. I started comedy in yeah. Arizona, in Scottsdale, Arizona, where I was consistently the only black person in the room sometimes. So it's like mm-hmm. I gotta entertain all these 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 white people, you know. So I gotta yeah. figure this out, and so I can pay my bills and stuff. So. And once you realize how you can relate to a crowd, if you can relate to a crowd in Scottsdale, Arizona, as the only black person in there who's very outspoken about things and still be wildly <laughs> successful, you can do anything. But yeah, yeah, I mean that, that the, the only part I miss about stand up was the personal conquering missions. Sometimes where you would get someplace, the person either you know the person either hand you your money or assure you that they know where it's at <laughs> and and you get your little drink tickets or you get whatever and, and you're just really like looking at these people pile into the show and they are not your audience mm-hmm. they're getting off of Harleys they doing this they doing that and you just know like in your mind you can go uh, I can fake it or I can do what I do or I could do some intermediate whatever and whatever des- decision you make as to how to handle that it that's the art of it. And I, I do miss stuff like that. However, I don't miss why am I performing at a place that doesn't come to see Ed Greer? That's what yeah. I'm like really starting to think about now is like, why was I doing that? I mean, I know why monetarily. Right, right. But we got to flip and bounce that. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to get this galaxy brain for being on lockdown. You know what I'm saying? This has not made me smarter at all. But (laughs) I'm just thinking like right before everything went down, I was really trying to divest myself of people being able to tell me, oh, you're funny enough to do X. You're good enough to do Y. I was trying to divest myself of that economy very much so uh, in the year before this whole shithouse came down. So it's just funny to me that like, yeah, you know, nobody's balling over here, but I'm not calling up bookers trying to see what how, what kind of hazmat suit I got to wear to do the exactly. gig at Zanies. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, I'm not about that. I'm not doing that right now. And some people are. Some people are putting themselves out there like that. Well, you know, people want to go see shows and stuff. I'm like, yeah, you're trying to capitalize on people who want to go outside and stuff. But at the same time, it's a lot more things to think about right now than like people laughing at your jokes and stuff. Because like Clee Clee says something uh, consistently that I'm totally down with. If it's not safe for people to visit somebody in a hospital, it's not safe to go outside. No, you know exactly. <laughs> like if, if you can't go to the hospital to see somebody, and this is supposed to be the place where they're supposed to be making you better, then maybe your outside time should be like limited. Like, and I'm not, and I'm guilty of going. I go outside. Like, I, I I work in a hospital. I do photo shoots outside. My photo shoots are extremely safe, by the way. I can't stress that enough. But like. Yeah, if it's not safe, I, I don't need, I love going out to restaurants. I live in Koreatown. I got all the best restaurants in LA around me. You know what? They all deliver. I don't have to go sit down inside of a restaurant. I'm oh, actually. The idea of going to a restaurant terrifies me, right? Yeah. Now. Like, and like, you're living in fear. And I'm like, I'm not living in fear. I'm living in precaution and safety. Right. 
I'm not trying to die because I really like dumplings. Like that's not really how I want to go out. The dumplings were worth it. Like, no, no, no. I don't, I don't want that to be somebody's last memory of me. Yo, he did what he loved, man. He was at the comic book store eating. No, my comic book store ship. I'm like, I'm cool. I'm cool. They, they hit me up. They like, yo, we can mail these out to you. You do curbside pickup. How much is shipping? <laughs> like, and, and, and that's another thing, man. A little bit before this, I really started trying to train myself to dig digital comics. Because I, I, I'm not saying I knew this was coming or nothing like that. I'm just saying I was just trying to divest myself of having to buy so many things, trying to yeah. have so many things. Because comics and, take up a yeah. lot of space. They do when you store them correctly, yes. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and so I was – this house is not – uh, Ed could put his comic books everywhere house. It is not necessarily yeah, organized at this moment, but it is not. You can have comic books all over everywhere house. And, uh, you know, it's like a Jewel said in Pulp Fiction. My girl's a vegetarian, which pretty much makes me a vegetarian. <laughs> and uh, I, I just got to deal with that. So the fact is, like, I got... I got, you know, 1988 Punishers all over the place. They just happen to all be inside my iPad. I got, you know what I'm saying? I got Frank Miller's Daredevil run. It just happens to be inside my iPad. And a lot of these things I do have in trade paperbacks and stuff, but like my trades are very precious to me. They're like, you know, the Absolute Authority trade, the Absolute Watchmen trade, uh, Stray Bullets is a big fat book, you know, Black Sad, the Grendel Omnibus. There's, there's very, it's very high levels. The All Star Superman as a big fat absolute edition you know what i'm saying these are the graphic novels that i keep around and everything else you can just go up, hop off in the ipad dog exactly like because i I'm, I'm also a huge fan of comics too and i got comics all over the place i like to tout myself having one of the greatest comic book collections in the world however i also have a colombian fiance who's like hey where are you gonna put all of this stuff like you really need to figure all that out because you got walls and walls of books and you only read them like once or twice so i'm i'm living in fear that one day all my stuff might be gone you know so i gotta back i gotta back up my books because i at, at some point i did like basically the hybrid thing i had printed books of stuff that i really really wanted and like my trades and stuff and then most of my weekly issues is straight to my iPad, you know, because mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. it's I'm I'm saving the world doing that one, which I'm mm-hmm. I'm very much into the environment and stuff, and I'm saving a lot of space in my house, you know, because when you got that much paper around, it then it becomes a fire hazard. So, but I'm just saying, like the whole I I get touching them. Trust me, the comics that I have, I like to touch them. I like to smell them. I get real freaky with it, you know, but uh. In the end, there's only so much of that you can have. And like just to have so many comic books just at your beck and call. I don't read them on my phone. I think that's kind of a disservice to the artist if I'm on a plane or something, maybe. But most of the time I have my iPad, which is iPad Pro. It's a big fat one. So it's about the size of it's a little bit bigger than a comic book. So I'm getting like a, a large treasury edition size of the comic book, you know, and I just I, I dig that. I dig that a lot. And the artists still get paid, you know, it's exactly. a win so we, we, artists still get paid. Also, with digital comics, um, not all the time, but most of the time, you'll get special features and stuff that you won't get in the print edition too. So, it's like if you're into like the craft and like learning how like some of these panels get put together, that's also worth the investment too. You get a little bit extra with it. So, that's also something cool. And but 
like the back to like the comedy thing or like the going outside it's honestly just not safe enough to do so like until you can actually get to a point where yeah you can go visit your 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 people who in the hospital you really shouldn't go outside if you can help it you know now i go to the grocery store and i go to the doctor's office and even those two, if I can Instacart it, because like I try not to Instacart produce and certain proteins because right. I just like to pick it out myself. I'm exactly. A, I cook. I'm not, I, you've seen my, my Instagram, my Facebook. I cook and I like to cook. So, but like all the staples and jarred and cancer, I Instacart all that stuff. And then if I can do a telemedicine visit, I do a telemedicine visit. There you go. For my doctor's appointments. Like- and that's it. That's the only places I've been is to the doctor and to the grocery store. I haven't gone anywhere else. My contact tracing would be real easy. They, exactly. <laughs> like if the government wants to track me as people are afraid to, you would find out that I spend a lot of time at home, at work, at the dentist office, and right back home again. That's pretty much it. Like that's my life right now. I don't I don't need to be everywhere. And I get I, and I think what a lot of people what a lot of people are having trouble with is it's not that they're being told that they can't go anywhere. It's, it's that they're the option to go anywhere was completely taken away. You know, like a lot of people are cool with staying at home, but when you're told, well, you really can't go anywhere anywhere. That's, that's why people get upset. And that's why you get people like hanging out at the lake and at the beach. Yeah. Like assholes. Yo. Even though they cut, they get there and there's like a thousand people already there, and they're like, "I'm going anyway." Like, if I wanted to go to the beach, which I love the water, if I wanted to go to the beach and I got to the beach, even if without a pandemic, if I got to the beach and it was packed as hell, I'm going home, <laughs> even if it was completely safe to do so. There's no sharks in the water and there's no virus in the air, and I would still go home. Now, I am getting ready to drive across country next week, though. Oh, okay. Because my mom my mom lives in Arizona with my brother and his three sons. Mm-hmm. And they've been obviously been home since March, and they're driving her insane. <laughs> so <laughs> we're driving to Tennessee next week. I'm going to go. My cousin is come flying down here from the Bay Area. Then he and I are going to go drive to Arizona, pick her up. And then we're driving to Tennessee for a week because he needs to get away too because he hasn't left his house at all. He just, and he works from home. So he's like, even before this, he was working from home and he, him and his husband normally travel a lot in the summer and they're not able to go anywhere. So he's just like, I just got to get away. Ronnie is driving me crazy. And I'm like, and me and Ed are like, we're the only people that he and I have seen. So I'm like, Ed and I need a break. My mom needs a break from my brother and her net and her, grandkids you know so it's just like let's all and so and my cousin out in tennessee has a big ass house so okay it's like we can go to her house and not even see her if we don't really want to <laughs> so we're just gonna go to, and she has a pool and we're just gonna go out there and relax for a week that's see and and that's cool because like in the car it's just gonna be you and ed so yeah you well, don't no, have ed's to not coming it's oh. me my mom and my cousin ed is staying oh, okay. here there you go. <laughs> yep. Yep. Dude, I'm telling you that the, it's it's almost like your woman telling you, I'm going to give you a break. I'm going to give you, you know, time to work on your screenplay. I'm going to just go off. But what she's going to do is go on, get on Fury Road. 
at, at battle her way across the country in the murder zone. Like, that's what it's like. It's like, oh, let me give you a little break. Let me climb into this big rig, honk, honk, and get the spikes ready for the, for the roller boys my, or whatever. Let me play my flaming guitar across the country real quick. <laughs> that is, that's got, exactly how it seems. That, yeah, that's exactly what it seems like. And I already told her, <clears throat> I was about to say told her ass. Um, I already told her ass that I, I really personally don't really approve. And uh, frankly, I would have gone. Uh, but I know that I would have broken the protocols and went and seen my mom's. And it's like, come on, man. I don't. I would never want to have that be the epitaph. Like, yeah, great son brought his mom doom across country. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm right. Saying? Like, yeah. I, I, his mom lives like one state away from. Where she I lives live. in fucking Georgia, which oh. is murder ball territory right now as far as this COVID jazz. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So all I'm saying is like, uh, I I think it is good for us though. We're we're gonna we're gonna be able to take a break from each other. She's gonna get to see her family. Her family are some of the best friends that she's ha- that she has. They're really connected and shit. And um, I'm I'm happy that she's gonna get to do that. And I'm happy they're doing it by car instead of being in the in the death tube that is a plane right now. Exactly. But that's about all I can say about it. <laughs> yeah, because it, it's it's hard to, it's hard to like hear when people people who you who you respect and like as people. And some of which might be related to you and stuff. And then you you know what's going on outside. But then you see them partying it up as if ain't nothing happening. You know, it's like, I get it. You want to live your life. You want to do what you want to do. However, at this point in the game, anything you do can affect so many other people. You know? Yeah. So well, when I see hundreds, hundreds, right. yes. Yeah. So when I see other people, like when I, I when I watch news reports and stuff, and when I say news reports, I'm talking about like shows that I can like stomach watching all the way through, like John Oliver. Like mm-hmm. he says things that make complete sense. Like in Chicago, where I'm from, there's a huge, huge spike in it, mainly because there's a prison right downtown, and prisons are huge, like epicenters of this stuff. And everybody in prison ain't in prison. So Mm -hmm. you get like the guards, uh, wardens, everybody who works at the jail who's not locked up. They get off. Admin staff. Right. They get get off work and they go straight to the subway in Chicago because no one drives. So it's like, all right, well, we need to fix this in places where it's like huge so people can actually go out and do things we're not going back to normal normal is is not gonna happen whatever normal used to be get over that but we need to go to a place where it is safe for people to go outside where we don't have to see businesses boarded up and stuff as if a hurricane is coming in and you live in the middle of the goddamn desert so like the 1918 (laughs) pandemic lasted until 1921 right so (laughs) And the depressing wow. part about that pandemic is it didn't end through throw any breakthrough in science. It ended because everybody who was gonna die from it died from it. Like that's how that one. That's how that one ended. But that's that's how these road warriors see it right now, though, no. which is which I can't stand. This whole like I f your grandma and all this jazz, this type, sort of mentality. I just I, I can't get with that. I don't want to belabor the point, make it all depressing. No. But like, right? I, I don't. I don't. I can't get with that mentality, but it, it's also the fact that we didn't know nothing about no damn 1918 until 19, uh, you know, what I'm saying? 2019, 2020. If it took a Watchmen episode 
to bring people to light to the Tulsa massacre and stuff. You know, uh, Adam's Ruins Everything episode from two years ago probably went over a bunch of people's heads too. So, exactly. like, <laughs> like straight up, we we live in a world where it's like every time somebody hears something, like, oh, what? That didn't happen. I'm like, cause I I look at my history teachers and I'm like, wow, you absolutely failed. Like for real. Yeah. Like I don't know what curriculum you did because I learned a lot of things like on my own because you know when you got a textbook in school, you never made it to the end of it. You probably didn't even start from the beginning of it. I would read all the way through those and just pick up on little things. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, this is what this is what they not teaching us. So we we learned all about uh George Washington who had wooden teeth and then you find out he just snatched them out of his slaves' mouths. You know, mm-hmm. Like they don't want to or teach I'm thinking us about my history books that literally combined African, Asian, and Eastern European history into one chapter. Yeah, and, like, one and chapter. then the rest of the book was about Western Europe and America. And you're like, all right, you know what? That's some bullshit. Yeah, I got sent to the principal's office because uh, my European history teacher was like, okay, Aaron, what was the role of women? I'm like, what was the role of the black people in Europe? We haven't talked about them at all. And I got sent to the principal's office for that. I'm like, are you serious? Like, there were black people See. all over Europe. You think, I mean, Africa's right there. It's like a little piece of sea that separates it. They were there. Mm-hmm. Not exactly. But again, it's one of those things where we we talk about we're talking about now like what what are people doing throughout all of this you really so you self-select history you self-select entertainment you self-select all these different things so it's like to have some sort of universal standard i wish there was a universal standard of basic knowledge but it seems like that's literally over i think that period where you know you could where you could we, we could count on somebody to know like I don't know. I guess most of the stuff that we could count on people to know was stupid stuff with the Pledge of Allegiance or the 1492 rhymes, A, B, C, D uh, song and well, stuff. All that stuff. But like, they're still not being told about like, told about like the Tulsa bombing or Black Wall Street. Or, no, like, like I said, like, I get it. All that part of American history is completely not, not even acknowledged. So they don't even know to go look for it. Mm-hmm. And no one questions that there are like 40, 50 year gaps in everything, too. No one questions that no. at all. Well, no, because it's like it's like a greatest hits album or something. It's just like, give me the hits. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't care what happened between 1924 and 1952. Just give me the hits. Give me the hits. Treat me like Kiss and don't play nothing past 1978. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, but those same history teachers will teach you about the Watts riots. Oh, so, yeah. Like, you'll learn about the Watts riots, but you won't learn about Black Wall Street. Like, the Watts riots might not have ever happened if Black Wall Street hadn't been so undermined. Exactly. If the Tulsa bombing hadn't, been, hadn't happened. We might not have ever had the Watts riots. You know what I mean? Like, we might not have even had white people who even thought to do something like the Rodney King beating, which is, like, kicked off, to my mind, like, the modern civil rights movements of our lifetimes. Because you would have had white people who wouldn't have been raised with these weird mindsets that exactly. perpetuate racism and perpetuate their privilege in a way that they don't acknowledge. Hold so, on, hold on, Clee, because you said something about racism. You know, racism ended when Barack Obama got elected president. Come on now, <laughs> dude. I mean, I no. saw. Dude, no, no, hold on, hold on. I that saw didn't it work because he had Uncle Joe over here as his VP. And- oh my goodness. <laughs> 
Hey, oh, oh, Uncle Joe. Uncle Joe, I don't, I don't even think Joe Biden knows that his name is Joe Biden. I, I think he but, forgot <laughs> all about that. Yeah. I, I personally think he knows his name is Joe Biden. I think <laughs> if you ask him what his I'm name no is, he will that. say Joe Biden. And if you say, what do you want to be when you grow up? He'll say Joe Biden. And when you say, who do you used to fight with? He'll say Corn Pop. <laughs> I, I get I get what I get him. But no, what I was gonna say is I saw Barack Obama defeat racism myself. He flew in like Mothra on his big ears <laughs> and he kicked racism in the throat. I saw it myself. Him and a team of ninjas took out racism. So right. and Osama bin Laden. Osama bin Laden and racism got killed at the same time by Barack Obama <laughs> in certain people's minds. So I, I but again, it's all it's again it's all it's about all the symbolism and stuff. So like I've been watching a lot of uh documentaries during the, the pandemic. And um, I don't watch nothing about damn pandemics. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I hate. I hate that it's trending. Every time you go see a documentary on the on the whatever service you use, they'll recommend to you some kind of pandemics. I'm like, I don't want. What am I? MC Escher drawing? You know, or, or you know, whatever that thing is, where the TV is inside the TV, inside the TV, inside the TV, whatever that thing is. I don't want to do that. I don't. I don't want to be in that. So I, I try to think about like frankly most of the stuff i've been watching is about like the ocean like big wide spaces <laughs> is what i watch these documentaries inside the house about so yeah i'm not trying to live no pandemic life even in my fantasies that's fucking weird so let's talk about that so like like how are y'all entertaining yourselves through this like what are you guys watching so ed and i have not been watching that much television together okay like that's one of the ways i think that we've been keeping ourselves sane is fortunately we do have two TVs in this house. Okay. So I watch TV in the I watch TV in the bedroom. He watches TV out here in the living room. I mostly watch cooking shows. Um, so I've been watching like Top Chef. I've been finding obscure cooking shows I didn't even know existed. I'm on this one right now called Man versus Master, and it's about like <laughs> that sounds <laughs> ominous. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a cooking show, okay. cooking competition show. And it's about like regular unknown chefs at like small restaurants who, who, um, who have to defeat like famous chefs. So it's like, it'll be some like sous chef at some like obscure restaurant in Santa Ana has to beat Rick Bayless in a guajillo chili cook off or some shit. Like <laughs> it's hilarious. Uh, so I love it. Uh, and it's hate hosted by one of my favorite top chef contestants of all time, Richard Blaze. Um, I've been watching. Uh, let's see. What else have I been watching? Oh, and then I've been watching a lot of YouTube. Just random stuff. Mostly cooking stuff on YouTube and mukbang videos on YouTube. Just okay. Eating, <laughs> while eating way too much food. And then there's this show on on that's part of BuzzFeed on their channel Tasty, where this dude just makes giant versions of regular foods. So he makes like giant chicken McNuggets or giant onion rings or giant sushi. And it's kind of interesting how he does it. Professional. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. All right. Cleo, everybody a beer that's listening. Every time your phone goes off, you owe everybody listening to drink. Oh, no, uh, that, that was Ed's phone. Oh, my bad. My bad. My bad, Clee. I take no. that first one was my, The first one was my phone, and Ed okay. gave you a dirty look, and then his <laughs> phone goes out. And... Mm-hmm. Now you could probably edit around it. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We <laughs> Here we go. That. We get yeah, it around here we go. that. Ed, uh, what you watching? I, you know, I think I've watched an inordinate amount of before 
uh, basketball re-engaged. I watched a lot of people talking about basketball. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't, I, I, I don't know, man. It, there was something cathartic, not cathartic, whatever the word is. There's something soothing about hearing people be like, yeah, but so-and-so couldn't do this on Clyde to Glide. And why the, man, why the... So, so, so Walt Frazier was better than Spud Webb. What the hell? It didn't even mean anything. It's it, esoteric it, basketball conversation. Right. And it was just, but it was like comforting because it was almost like they were talking about events that were happening. So it made it feel like the world was still going on and all this kind of jazz. But lately I've been watching um, actual basketball a lot. Um, I've been, I, I actually watched a French movie called La Haine. My one. Dude, that movie rocks. watched it like three times. Yeah, I, I, my Dude, one, I my that. one thing. Yeah, that's my one meta. That's my one meta thing right. I did because watching Lahane right now is like walking outside during a protest or whatever. Yeah. It's like the, it's the same. Like, it, and it's so funny that movie's made in 1995, and it's right, the, and old. it's in French. Yeah, yeah, it's made in 1995. It's in freaking French. It has, you know, a, a dynamic that we don't really see in this country that often. You know what I'm saying? There was a North African guy, an African guy, and a Jewish guy, yeah. and they're hanging out in the hood, and they're yeah. hoodlums. You know what I'm saying? And and just like, and, and but but you see the world that made them hoodlums. You see the world where they're just sit, sitting around talking about nothing, talking about you know what they watched on reality TV the other day or on a game show, and just waiting for the police to come knock them on the head. You know what I'm saying? It's just like. It's it's so prescient. Now, like, so funny you bring that up. So, Lahane, like, so I I watched that movie. I think I was maybe a sophomore, maybe a junior in high school when I first saw that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I speak fluent French, and I went to basically two schools in uh, my high school years. Went to one school where normal school and stuff, and then I went to this other school where I was like spoke nothing but French. Then they eventually sent me over to France. I stayed in France for a little while and stuff. And we watched Lahaine and I was like, wow, this first of all, the movie was super deep at the time that it was released and stuff. And it actually mm-hmm. did something that a lot of American movies don't do, which was they discuss the cause, the problem, and the solution to it too. There's mm-hmm. like actual yep deep conversations that go on in this movie because what people think about France and like Paris in particular is just this one Eiffel Tower, uh, people playing the accordion in the background and baguettes and <laughs> stuff. And France in Paris, I've been I've been to Paris twice and Paris is hood as hell. It is like <laughs> some straight up you like you will walk around and you'll be like it depends on what sh- it's like walking through Van Nuys. One street is really cool, and then the next block, you're like, "Whoa, where am I?" Because like mm-hmm. it's about to get yeah, real. Yeah, I'm supposed here. to be in France right now, actually. I'm but supposed yeah. to be in France right now with my with the cousin I'm about to go see in Tennessee. Uh huh. She was and supposed f- to go to Italy and to France this summer. But yeah, and like in France, and it's one of those movies that shows how diverse Europe is too, because France. I never had to be like, where are all the black people at? No, they was right there. And they they was just like (laughs) chilling. Everybody was like, oh, yeah, you know what? I'm from North Africa. This dude's from West Africa. This dude's been here for generations because he's a Moor. You know, it's all good. We Mm -hmm. all right here. And that movie, where did you watch that? Was that streaming somewhere or did you like find a copy somewhere? Well, no, it's actually, uh, I was thinking about it because it's, and this is a weird rabbit hole. I've been watching besides basketball stuff. 
mm-hmm. I've been watching process things about movies. Like, okay. like right now, Agbo, A-G-B-O, is a studio that's made up of Anthony Russo and uh, I guess Joe Russo or whatever, the Russo brothers who did, you know, Endgame and Infinity War and all that. Agbo, it's a YouTube channel by Anthony and Joe Russo and uh, Stephen and Marcus McFeely, basically, the people who wrote and, and directed Endgame and Infinity War. So they have this little bitty channel that some of their videos be getting like 8,000 views and stuff. They got like 3,000 subscribers, maybe. I don't know. So just a little shit. And they've been doing these videos where they'll like talk to the dude who wrote Back to the Future for a fucking hour. They oh, wow. talk to Mark Hamill. For two hours about Empire Strikes Back and Star Wars, they, you know, what I'm saying, like they just drop yeah. these gems and nobody's picking these shits up. So I watched the hell out of stuff like that. And one of the the very first episode, their worst episode. Don't want to critique these guys, but Joe had pizza in his fucking mouth, and the guy he was interviewing was like on the echoey mic. It was like echoing everything that Joe was saying to him, plus the stuff he was saying. It was pretty bad production value, you guys, but. uh it was still amazing because it was about Lahan. And it reminded me of Lahan was one of the last VHS tapes that survived for me. You know, there was so oh, okay. soldier VHS tapes that might have even survived to now. Like two moves ago, I lost my copy of Lahan. And it was from, uh, I think I straight jacked it from my old video store in Kansas City in like probably 1995 or 96. And it was, I think it, it was released through Egg Pictures, which is Jodie Foster's little, little, little distribution arm she had at the time that was shooting out movies. And she uh, did like a little intro on the videotape of other things, you know, explaining it to American audiences or something. And uh, yeah, I had that tape. I, I let the tape rock till the tape pop. And then I lost it like two moves ago. And then just to see it come back like this and to see the time that we're in and stuff. And then I wa- I rented it on Amazon and I watched it. You know how it'd be saying, you got 23 hours left. You got 20 hours left. You got 18 hours left. You got 15 hours left. I watched it so much. It, it got down to where I was about to watch it again and it had expired. And I was like, shit. And then I just bought it. And he bought it. <laughs> I got an alert. Get it. <laughs> you rented this movie and then you bought this movie. Yeah, no, I just love it so much. And it's like, and it's really just to round this off. It's the type of shit I want to make once the world comes back, or even if it don't, it's a very small cast. I see how you might be able to, if you got everybody's temperatures and shit, you might be able to shoot something like that, keeping everything else socially distanced and stuff. Yeah. So, and with the drug, there's a, there's that, remember that crane shot where the, where the camera comes out of the window and it goes over the projects because the hip hop music is like going over, flowing over the whole hood. Yeah. That shot you could do with a drone easy peasy right now. Also, so there's a French lot of shit in there is, where it's just like, yeah. that's a movie for your ass. Hell yeah. And French rap is dope as hell. Too. Yeah, it is. Like, like if you want to hear some good French rap, watch <laughs> I do like French rap. Boys. Watch season one of the boys. It got some cuts on mm-hmm. But uh yeah, so like that's that's cool that yeah, you Mark, that I up. have a cousin who went to a um who went to a French American school and I actually mm-hmm. went to that school for about a year. So my French is I, I can kind of understand it, but I don't and I can kind of read it, but I can't speak it at all. Okay. But I do like French rap, but they're they're into they're both into French rap music. And then they got another like so they got kind of most of my like our generation in my family into a little bit of French rap. So it's like okay. whenever they play it, I'm like, oh, I forgot about this song. And so I do like French rap music. Is, they got hit they got bangers. Because it's a little bit of like it's that European tech 
European like techno meets like African beats yeah. with like a little bit of Western influence, American influence. And it just, it all mixes together so nicely. And it's like they respect the craft of it. So they try to keep it as authentic as possible while still being authentic to being, you know, French. So it's, and then you'll hear something you'll be like, man, what are they talking about? That's just French, whatever. I'm like, look, man, Paris is hood as hell. Don't, don't, don't mess with certain parts of Paris or you can get, you can see somebody get straight up jacked and that same dude to help an old lady cross the street. But, um, Right now, <laughs> yeah. Right now, like what I'm, what I've been watching. Uh, I, I like to watch a lot of things to take my mind off of stuff, and at the same time, kind of educate me. At the same time, I watch a lot of uh, philosophy videos on YouTube, a lot of uh, history videos. There's a channel that I watch, um, Crash Course. Crash Course on YouTube. It's basically this like team of people, and apparently Jaden Smith bought them a studio. Um, they just basically go through like real world history or like they have different like categories and stuff and i've just been watching those like non-stop a lot of mythology videos and stuff because i'm writing a book and i need all the inspiration that i can get in regards to that uh i've been watching i watched i watched umbrella academy uh which season two is way better than season one and i've been hearing it's season yeah i want to i want to get into it i want to get into it i want to see if i'm a season one i couldn't get in I couldn't get into season one, and I was like, "Man, what is what is happening?" And it started to pick up toward the end because it was just dragging ass toward the beginning. But season two is like, "All right, cool. We we now we at the races." <laughs> um, been watching. I got HBO Max, and I've been watching the Fresh Prince. And the Fresh Prince, watching it, watching it now in twenty twenty. Versus watching it back in the early nineties, almost thirty years ago, when the show was like really in its peak, like Will Smith, not the actor. Will Smith, the character, <laughs> is a dick. Like straight up, I'm like, wow. We say Zach Morris is trash. Look, Will Smith has some issues too. Like this is, but I was watching a lot of that and just older shows and and things to keep me inspired to in my in my writing so you know what else i've been into because we have, i have all the streaming services i'm addicted to television um oh so same here so i've been watching and i was kind of watching this before the pandemic started and then i watch it every here and there is perry mason the old original perry mason so i'm gonna start watching the new perry mason that's on hbo max and then the other one stuff I've been watching is I've been on, uh, it's been taking me a while to get through it, but I've been watching, um, the clone wars cause we have Disney plus. Okay. And I'm actually like the first two seasons of the clone wars are awful, but once you get to like halfway through season three and there's like 25 or 27 episodes per season, it's a lot for a show that's only like 25 minutes long. It feels like it takes forever to get through a season. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. Uh, but like, especially now that we had this streamlined twelve episode season, I like which Clone is Wars quite enough from being like twelve episodes of thirty eight minutes as opposed to twenty seven episodes of twenty two right. minutes. But uh, once you get to like halfway through season three, it gets really good, and then you start and you start to see the hints of how Anakin becomes Darth Vader a, a way more. And I oh, wish. Yeah. I mean, I guess it wasn't really a thing when they were doing the prequels, but you know, I'm a Star Wars head, but I wish they had had the foresight to maybe 
uh, flesh out Anakin's turn to the dark side more because that's like the main, like the, the overall massive beef that anybody could have with the prequels is that there is virtually no reason for Anakin to become Darth Vader. It makes no sense. Like he goes from wanting to, wanting to just bone Padma to in order to bone Padma, I've got to kill a bunch of children. Like what? No. Yeah. That's that like works. that's a, that's a lot. That's a big <laughs> reach, dude. Like, well, yeah, some steps to this. And she was down. She was very consensual about it. So you ain't got to yeah, kill the like, kids. She like, was willing, like, just betray your Jedi oath. You ain't got to turn totally Sith in order to do that. It doesn't make any no. sense. I mean, with, along with all the other problems that the prequels have, like, that's like the massive, like, that's the overall, like, what? Are you serious? That's what makes him turn? His dead mama and these. I think somebody was looking at the script. Somebody was looking at the script and was like, oh, crap, we got like a couple more pages to go. We got to get this going. Somehow, somehow he's got to be in the dark side by now. But it doesn't make sense. Look, we promised Darth Vader in three movies. Let's do this. And, but, and, and also, just, just not to be a jerk about it, but they could have just not had him be a little baby kid and make him make a bunch of actual decisions right. in the very first movie. Which maybe could have set him up as a character so that when he did start to get a little darker the second movie, by the third movie, we're kind of prepared for it. But yeah. no, start him off as an innocent baby. That's fine. Don't even show him have no kind of evil proclivities as a baby. Good job, dummy. Yeah, and like, and like she's 14 and he's nine. Like, come on. With George Lucas, with all these weird age gaps and stuff, Indiana Jones romancing 15 year old broads, and the, and, and, and she's 14 and he's nine. And Nick, George Lucas got some stuff. George Lucas, yeah, George Lucas needed <laughs> a documentary a on him because, like, well, straight say, up. men have some stuff. Uh, well, George Lucas is specific. George Lucas in these is two instances. I'm I'm not on the same boat as George Lucas on that one because I'm like, wait, what? I'm like, I, I can do simple math, and a lot of that never made sense to me, uh, dude. Uh, and and the whole jazz about like, uh, I don't know, all that Luke and Leia at first too. It's like, come on, man. Yeah. Oh, I wrote I wrote all these I wrote all these stories a long time ago. Why is she that close to her brother's crank then? That's yeah, it's like uh uh uh. Anyway, but yeah, no, but nobody's nobody's perfect. Nobody's even close. But uh, I'm glad he got his billion dollars. But the thing I'm saying is, I a bill several billions of dollars. I'm saying I like her watching that stuff though, the Clone Wars, because it takes a good damn long time, and she's in there, and she's just not bothered me. She's watching that for a whole long time, what? and we don't bother each other. I mean, she was getting at it earlier. If I had to watch cooking shows all day, or she had to watch French ass cinema verite <laughs> shit all day we'd be fighting like tom and jerry so I i'm just glad that we have such desperate interest and i think that's one thing that like we're not an opposite to track couple at all you know she introduced me to star wars she you know star uh star, star trek star trek she introduced me to star trek i wasn't really a trekkie before she indoctrinated me and now i'm like full ball argue with you that voyager is the best you know uh it's just one of these things so we're not opposites attract but we have enough difference right. in what we like that it doesn't get boring or that we don't have to like plow through whole series together you know what i'm saying and just get done and then have this weird both of us is sad because we finished the damn series that hasn't happened in years with us we're not symbiotic in that fashion no, we have a few shows that we watch together, like Westworld, and we do watch the new like 
Discovery. We watched Picard. The Good Place together, and, and we the watched the, the, the Discovery and motherfucking uh, Picard. We are definitely not watching motherfucking Westworld well, together because we I'm done. Two, we watched the first like season and a half of Westworld, and then we got like we got bored, and we were, and we both were like, we're done with this. Yeah, Westworld <laughs> got a little boring for me too, and I was just like, nah. My fiance and I, we watch uh, together religiously. We watch like the entire 90 Day Fiance diaspora. And that just. <laughs> that, that oh, but just, Aaron, Aaron, let me tell you something. I wish she was down. I wish my dude, woman was down with that sort yeah, of Schadenfreude. I can't. I Sch- can't do it. She's not down with the Schadenfreude or the whatever this other. There's another word that is intense embarrassment for somebody. It's yeah. also a German word that ends in Freude, like Schadenfreude. Oh. Schadenfreude, Schadenfreude. None of the Freudes. She doesn't it. like them. Watch None of them. Fiance I love it. It's the best. <laughs> You gotta try. Ed watches that stuff every once in a while. I'll come in here and he'll be watching like Love and Hip Hop or or um uh what was it called? Love After Lockup. I watched the Black oh, yeah. Ink Crew two episodes and I watched Love and Hip Hop three episodes and she think I'm addicted to it. That's how little we see what each other's fucking <laughs> watching. No, and you watch Love After Lockup and you I tried to get to Love After Lockup, but it got too sad. But <laughs> But ninety day fiance, ninety day fiance is the gift but, that keeps on giving. Yeah, ninety day fiance, you don't feel sorry for nobody because nope. they all suck, <laughs> and that's is, the key to it. It is like a big pile of garbage with a lot of these people, and it's like you want to feel bad for somebody, but then you think, wait, you chose to be with this person, you know? And you watch some people just be like, ah, right, you know what? I'm just gonna disrespect this entire culture right now and just scream about how I'm an American. I'm like, oh, okay, let's sound. I heard about that one chick. She went to like the Middle East and was yeah, like, that's going on right now. She's over in Jordan right now, and and this is that current season, and she is acting a fool. And I basically had to put up a disclaimer. I was like, look, people of Jordan, this hood rat does not represent black people in America. Please don't lump her in with us. Like she's gonna get stoned to death, and then the no. whole time she's gonna be like, "You can't do this to me." I'm an American. This ain't America, though. Like, right, but but that's that's America for your ass. I have been watching this thing called. Uh, there's a guy. Uh, now, obviously, one day he's gonna miss. One day he's gonna be on the wrong side of something, and I'm not gonna like what he whatever. So I make that disclaimer. But for right now, there's a guy called Renegade Cut on YouTube. And he did a 44-minute video about George Washington and them. That blew my mind, bro. He was breaking down how Washington, how George Washington was just like a hella rich dude. He wasn't really even that good at military shit. The cherry tree story is fake and obviously fake. But it was like back in the days when we, yeah, back when we had to build these guys up as legends and shit. We were trying to compete with kings and queens. We, meaning American society, and I know that Negroes was not part of it at that time, nor in the in the present, if you want to argue that. But the, all I'm saying is America was trying to build its, its its founders up in a mythic fashion, just like kings and queens were. So that's why he had to get some goofy-ass, Luke Skywalker-ass story about George Washington. Anyway, he was just, he really broke it down, and he breaks down a lot of things. He broke down... I, I've always liked the Rambo movies. I didn't really understand that they were jingoistic, Reagan-era, revisionist history of Vietnam. I mean, I knew it, but I didn't know it. No, I knew that wasn't a realistic you know, portrait of, of the Vietnam War. I was not insane, not even as a little kid watching that. But I'm just saying, it slips, it slips by you how we are programmed just like 
anybody in a damn Kim Kim Jong Un country, anybody in a Stalin country, anybody in some dictatorship right now, they are propagandized too. But if you think in our particular capitalized capitalism uh, democracy, we're not being propagandized to through our media. You ain't watched the Michael Bay movie where the military ain't never losing. You ever noticed in a Michael Bay movie, the military is always looking baller as fuck? Always looking baller. (laughs) But like back to like back to when you said Rambo, let's look at another Stallone uh, franchise. But that was also propaganda. The Rocky movies. It's a reason. It's a reason why Rocky five people don't like talking about is because in Rocky 1, 2, and 3, Sylvester Stallone is beating the hell out of black dudes. In Rocky 4, it's against Russia. In Rocky 5, he's fighting against another white dude and everybody's like, whoa, whoa, we don't want to watch this. The last person he hit the last person he hit in Rocky 5 was the black dude who was supposed to be Don King. That was the last person that he hit. <laughs> They was like, we can't, we can't leave this movie with him just beating up the white dude. We gotta have him punch the black dude first and knock him cartoonishly over this car, you know? Well, hey, Rocco, hey! Right? <laughs> no, those movies were straight up propaganda because it's like, I, right, you know what? In the seventies and eighties, nobody was really checking for white boxes like that in a realistic sense that they was gonna be heavyweight champion, let alone somebody that you just picked up out of a regular gym in, in Philly. No one does that, you know. Oh, it's an underdog story, really? Though, is it? Well, he's trying to. They're, they're trying to do the Chuck Webner and the whatever the hell oh, the other guy's name, right? But, but I think, oh, it, it, and like, and trying to, it's almost like this indictment of well, boxing has gotten untrue and unreal. They got all these propped up athletes, black athletes, uh, who are just you know trained in the best way, got the best machines and everything, and what I just go punch meat and I could beat them by punching meat. You know, there's all that mythology. One thing I, I, that I, was a studio note because it's my understanding that when he wrote the Rocky script originally, the his original opponent was not a black guy, right? And it, the studio, yeah, was like, studios like no. And then Sylvester Stallone was sold on we're going to diversify this movie. And Sylvester Stallone was like, I like that idea, not realizing like how that per- would could also perpetuate right. a stupid. Like you know, white American exceptional. Exactly, and, and to this day in Philly, there's a statue of Rocky. Rocky was not a real person. That was not based on. A real <laughs> there's a statue of Rocky on those stairs, and there's people running up and down those stairs every day trying to be like Rocky. You know. You know what? If it gets Americans moving, then that's fine. <laughs> well, no, uh, well, too, and and uh, yeah, but the thing about the thing I always loved about Rocky was like the only plot hole I could see in Rocky. In the world that it's built, I understand what it's trying to do, and it did its thing. But the real plot hole in that is Clubber Lang just stopped boxing. Yo! Clubber Lang just stopped. He got beat up one time. He could come. He, you know. You could have sold that. You know right? he would get destroyed in that rematch. Clubber Lang went and cooked up back with his Vietnam buddies and started solving crimes in L.A. <laughs> Of the 18 Club Lang and Thunderlips went to hairline WrestleMania one. On and now- <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, dude, I, 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 keep, I always forget how wrestling heads you are. How are you taking this wrestling with the? You said you get pumped up by the crowd and, re- and wrestlers who are cutting promos. I have not watched wrestling since this is all gone. I think the last wrestling event that I watched was the Elimination Chamber back in February. And I cannot watch it without the crowd. It is just weird to me because I like to get into it 
with the crowd and stuff. So like when they're doing these empty arenas and stuff, and they're still over the top flashing their belts to nobody. That seems weird. It's so weird. Dude, That's I mean that that is so funny. It's like to be talking to somebody like I'm talking to you yeah. and we're talking to each other like, you know what, brother? I'm gonna come over there and I'm gonna smash your podcast set up, brother. I'm gonna snap it across my knees like the you know, what what? What are we like you know what I mean? The sword of Damocles is gonna come down on you, right. brother. It's like it's the weirdest thing and it's like I can't get into it. I do watch a lot of wrestling news and like Marty Janetti just needs to get off of the internet but like it's, <laughs> it's it's a lot of i can't watch it without a crowd it's the same thing with yeah, there are certain sports that just they need the crowd, they need the crowd. Like, i watched part of a baseball game the other day and baseball i think is okay without a crowd baseball's fine without a crowd because it's it's a boring sport so you know <laughs> but what about and golf NASCAR though? Golf needs awesome. a crowd. No, golf doesn't. You take away the ball and golf is walking. You know what I mean? <laughs> golf also doesn't need a crowd. <laughs> now nah, they need people to They barely have a crowd anyway. Everybody they need the people field. to trail behind at a discreet distance and be quiet when the dude hit the ball. It's yeah. a it's an integral and part of, of the process. People in that crowd on golf courses are press and uh an entourage. It's not like paying people who, who bought tickets to go to a golf like it's very few times where there's actually a general audience at golf events uh soccer soccer i'm on the fence with because soccer i love soccer too and i love the crowd because crowd chants are hilarious in soccer but i can i can go without a crowd in soccer too it actually would make it for a fun game because i could like hear like the calls and stuff that they're making on the field but Sports like wrestling, that's a huge sport with, like, the crowd needs to be involved in. Basketball, I don't know how basketball and football are still getting played because those are still close contact sports, you know? Well, basketball, there the NBA has been super smart about what they did. Like, their plan is working perfectly. Okay. Like, now, it, it is basically sending NBA players, like, basically off to war because they cannot see – anybody except other other nba players i have been watching like there's like three different nba players at least who are doing on their youtube channels like inside the bubble stuff where they're just like documenting their day-to-day with their phones and it's and i've been mostly watching matisse tebold but there's two laker players and one i think cleveland player that's also doing it um it definitely ain't no Cleveland player because they was not invited. Right. <laughs> the people in the bubble are the top 22 teams. Yeah. And, and no way would Cleveland ever be that. I forget but who yes. the other team, who the other dude is. Some Midwest play. Maybe it was a Minnesota guy. Anyway. Probably not Minnesota either. But you know, I'm just saying they're, they're terrible too. Yeah. I don't, I don't really watch basketball like that. I only watch when you. Well, yeah, she does watch these NBA young boys who who she could be the mom of talk about these damn. But the I, I just find the fascinating, like the inside the bubble, uh, day to day life, like what their life is like, and like they just talk to their family on Facetime and they spend the rest of their time like with each other, and they don't even get to see players from other teams that much, so they're only spending time with people from their team. Uh, so except for there's like a, there's like two activities that they're allowed to do with players from other teams. One of them is golfing and fishing. And they have to go do all their fishing in a man-made lake inside the 
Disney Resort. Oh, so they got to bring fish for them to come fit. Dang, that's <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, but that that's the least of Disney's powers. They they've been growing fish in a lab to uh, to really love to bite hooks and stuff. The Disney so people no take player, care. Like no yeah, player has contracted COVID. But the other leagues aren't doing that. That's why baseball is like on this like weird off and on schedule because they're not living in a bubble. They're traveling to different stadiums. So people are catching COVID during those times. The NFL ain't even started practicing yet. And like 80 people got it now. So dude, like, and, and and NFL people are telling them I'm not I'm gonna opt out. And when an NFL dude opts out, people don't understand. Most of these dudes aren't guaranteed contracts. There's a dude named Damian Williams on the Chiefs. Yeah. He opted out. He's gonna get a hundred and five thousand dollars of probably a three million dollar contract. That ain't no it ain't no small thing to say you ain't playing football Mm -hmm. as a football player it's not no small thing so i wouldn't be surprised if the nfl season doesn't happen at all this year Mm -hmm. they're holding on they trying to make it work because the nfl y'all know those are the real evil geniuses on this planet along with other corporations too but like the nfl i don't see it happening i honestly don't but they're gonna try to push it through anyway and it's gonna be bad well, I think the only way they would be able to do it is if they adopted the NBA model where they start their season late, like let everybody who has COVID right now recover, start your season late, and put those motherfuckers in a bubble. That's it. Like play at one stadium, everybody, and just keep them tied up. But One stadium, like one or two games a week, and just do it that way. And shorten the, shorten the season, start the season late, and put them in a bubble. That's the only way it's going to work. Otherwise, hey. you're just gonna you're gonna end up with an with a MLB season that's all over the place. Yeah. Well, all, all I know is I don't give a shit if they started or not, and it ain't because I'm so woke that I hate football. Not true. I think it's just all right. But I'll tell you one thing: the you Chiefs the was Chiefs. the last Super Bowl champs. That's all I'm saying. The Chiefs was the last Super Bowl you champs. The Chiefs to hold on to their Super Bowl. For two years instead of one. Like hey, you know, until we start playing, we the champs. Until <laughs> <laughs> they crown a new champ, we the champs, baby. He like, he like look, man, I'm, I'm, I'll die I'll die a champion, I guess. So, yep. <laughs> I'm cool with that. But so let's let's land this plane. So what do you what do you guys give? What kind of advice do you guys have for people who are like who are at home who probably don't have too many different places to go or too many avenues to do? How do you suggest people entertain themselves? I just say pivot on what you normally would. If you're the type of person who likes to go out a lot, it's not like you can't like who likes to be outside a lot. Like if you're an outdoor, it's not like you can't do those things. Just be smart about doing those things. Do them early in the day or late or early in the evening. Quit trying to be out at like noon, trying to go up Runyon Canyon with a bunch of like with 200 other people, like a jackass. That's stupid. Like go early in the morning or go at night. Pivot. If you, if you aren't working, this is the time to be thinking about what is something I've always wanted to do and never had a chance to do. Because you can, like, I mean, I was, you know, I was on unemployment for most of this pandemic and I like use a lot of my money to get the things that I wanted for my kitchen so that I could start making the types of meals I really wanted to be making. Ed has started baking during this. This nigga can't cook for shit, but he's a baking genius. And he started baking and this nigga can make oat, like cookies that are f- delicious. Like just any, he, and he, he got all the equipment to broadcast for his podcast, 
for when he gets booked on these some of these TV gigs and to do his YouTube channel from home. He was doing all this stuff from studios before. And the first thing he did was we took a little bit of our savings and bought all that stuff that he needed so that he would have it. And now it's like starting to pay itself off. So I would say like pivot and find the things that like calm your mind because most people are also stressed out. I know I'm stressed out. I've woken up several mornings like stressed out or crying. And I do things like I've been doing a lot of jigsaw puzzles. I've been doing a little bit of writing. And it's like all those things, just all of the things that would calm your mind. That's what I would say. And also like following, even if it's just getting to the beginning of it, even if it's just buying the things that will get you started on whatever dream you might have. You know what? I, I think I'd have to second that because honestly, one of the only things that can get you through this type of jazz is to believe very honestly in a future and again, everybody thinks they got a future, but when you really press people, a lot of people can't see past the next week. And that's natural because of how, how you know, uh, chaotic everybody's lives are, you know, especially during this time. But the real key that I think has kept both of us up is that we must look forward to the future. We must really believe that it's going to be, and we must believe that what we're doing during this time will help us as people the, the later versions of us who have survived this have to have a foundation. So that's what we're trying to like build. And it ain't like this whole church of the grind bullshit. Like I really, there are days where we don't do a damn thing mm -hmm. and that it's fine. As long as sometimes, as long as overall your momentum is going towards something, it can keep you mentally healthy during this period. Cause I definitely talk to people who have no support system, and and no goal for the future and i don't know how they're making it i think it would be almost impossible to get through this if you don't have a support system and or a goal for the future so that's kind of what i'd say yeah and and i completely agree with both of you on those like what i would say like you know everything that clean and ed just said and also just check on check on people check on your friends if you're if you're in a position to do so, check on people. Call in just just to say hi. How you doing? Um, make sure everybody's doing okay because not everybody everybody's fighting a different fight, but we're all fighting the same fight. So just mm -hmm. reach out, say what's yeah, up. Yeah, I like checked on people too. There's like two people who I care about who aren't related to me who I check in on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's she's done a great job of that, and she's done a great job of in, influencing else, like, me to do that. I don't, I don't do have that. energy for, but these two people, they mean a lot to me, so I check in on them, and then I check in with my family. We have a Zoom call once a week. Yep. Yeah, we got a family FaceTime on my side, too, and my family's huge, and that's a ridiculous-ass call. I just bounce in and out. <laughs> hey, sometimes you feel like you're not even noticed, like Yo, home alone or something. Right? When like, the cost I spent that and I ate an entire pizza, and nobody said a word to me like the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like we get, we all like we'll leave our the Zoom open, and people will go and like bathe their kids, mm -hmm. and run errands, and come back, and their Zoom shit will still be open, and then they come back, and my other cousin will go and make himself a bowl of grits and. My other cousin would be barbecuing the whole time because he barbecues every weekend like clockwork. Yeah. yeah, you make your family sound like they're from the fucking my cousin Vinny or something. Hey, he would have made a bowl of grits. 
Oh yeah, my Lorenzo eats a bowl of grits every single day. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> With a name like Lorenzo, he sounds like he eat a bowl of grits every day. <laughs> <laughs> Lorenzo. Lorenzo, I ain't heard. Only people named Lorenzo. Name. Yeah, it's gotta be. Only people named Lorenzo. It's an old family name, or you a Shakespeare character? That's it. Yeah, there's like seven people in my family named Lorenzo. <laughs> yeah, so they're both. They're both. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so like to, that. I think that overall what we just said is a good like little recipe to getting through this, you know, uh, have, have a little, have a little goal, have a little support system and also recognize, like you said, that there are other people besides you and you never know. Like sometimes when you reach out to people, cause I, I, I definitely had a, a cat that I used to know back in Missouri. We were like childhood friends and stuff. And just out of the blue, I thought I should check on this cat. And I called this fool and I was like, yo, man, I hope you ain't got that shit, dog. Whatever. He was like, yeah, I don't know how I can avoid it since I got the shit. I got the (laughs) shit right now. I'm in the hospital. And he turned, he put the FaceTime on. He had shit in his nose and everything. I was like, oh, hell. And I talked, but I was one of the only people that had actually reached out to him. And we talked a good little bit. And I know for a fact that like I helped and it wasn't like no arduous task. To right. help homeboy to get through this, to to give him a little levity to talk, to get his mind off of the fact that he laying up in the hospital bed with all type of tubes in him and stuff, but we can still argue that you know Kevin Garnett is better than Tim Duncan, which he's not. But you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like we we could just you know what I'm saying? It was it was a, a, a dose of normalcy talking to people and 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 arguing with them even adds a dose of normalcy, you know. So it just. That all those parts really help people thrive doing this. Because like a simple how, a simple how you doing can make somebody right. Say. So, and that's gonna wrap up this week's episode of Temple of Geek. I want to thank everybody who tuned in today, and especially our guests Ed Greer, Clee Wiggins. Thank y'all so much for being on the show. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, you got any questions or comments? Feel free to hit us up, Temple of Geek, on Facebook and Twitter using the handle Temple of Geek. Uh, if you want to check out some of our old episodes, go to templeofgeek.com where you can find all sorts of content there. Ed, Clee, where can people find you guys? Uh, feel free to follow me on Twitter at Clee Wiggins uh, and on Instagram at Clee Wiggins SF. Uh, don't try to friend me on Facebook because I don't approve people I've never met before. <laughs> but you can follow me. <laughs> You can follow me on Facebook. I just Clee Wiggins, but don't try to friend request me because you will be left on red. Uh- <laughs> yeah, you can check me out at Edgar Destroys on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and you got to scroll down on my Instagram to see some of my fresh art. I'm going to put more up there, but uh, mostly you see ads for my podcast, Nerd Goat, and uh, for the show I do called Reboot It. And we also do a show called Reboot It Rewind. And both of those are on YouTube. So yeah, that's where all people could communicate with me. Perfect. Cool. Thank you guys so much for being on the show. I really, really appreciate it. I will have you guys back on at a future date as well, which I will get back to you guys to formally invite you before Clee beat me up. <laughs> Social distance. Well, th- dude, uh, thank you. We really do. We really do appreciate it. Whether whether she got her fist balled up at you or not, we really appreciate it. Yo. Hey, I know she only balls her fist up at me because she loves me. <laughs> and then we have problems. Uh, yeah. Please follow us on Twitter at Temple of Geek. Follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Temple of Geek.
remember to visit templeofgeek.com. Your one stop for all things geek. Goodbye. This will conclude our transmission.